While you're still standing, you'll see the scripture reading uh, the third time that Jesus tells his disciples what he's going to Jerusalem to do. Uh, So let me read from Luke 18, starting in verse 31. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. Well, perhaps you can think back to your English teacher or English professor. Uh, For some of you, that's a fond memory. Uh, For some of you, your heart rate just went up, thinking about a paper being due. But probably at some point, uh, when you were giving a book report, uh, they reminded you or maybe uh, uh, badgered you uh, to remind you that when you're summarizing a story that you've read, you're supposed to summarize it in in what tense? In, In the present tense, right? So uh, Beauty and the Beast, you know, you you might summarize and say, you know, uh, uh, as Belle comes to the castle, she's afraid when the doors open. And why do we do that? Uh, We do that uh, because stories are living in a sense, right? And when we retell a story in the present tense, it brings it right before our eyes. Uh, So much so that we can sort of inhabit that story in a powerful way. Now that's true of fiction, and by God's design, how much more true is it of the truest story ever told, of Jesus Christ, our Savior? Uh, As as we have followed Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, as we come now on Good Friday to the cross itself, we need to tell this story in the present tense. I want to invite you this evening to come with me as we look at Jesus' words And just as Jesus invites his disciples by saying, see, I desire that you would see, that you would see Jesus lifted up on the cross in the present tense for you. Let's follow Jesus' words here then. See these different aspects of what Jesus did. Starting in verse 31, right? He takes the 12 and says to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And so, number one, we see him go up. We see him go up to Jerusalem, uh, to the very place where he's going to die. To the the very place where prophets go to die. uh, Where the people uh, stone them or kill them and reject them. And if you remember, all the way back in chapter 9... Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. He's been heading to Jerusalem this whole time. Uh, He has not been meandering or wavering or turning back or wondering if he'll complete the mission. Uh, He set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem, and he has been marching there ever since. And with every step uh, that he has come closer to Jerusalem, he has become much more emboldened and clear about who he is as the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the King of Israel. And the bolder he has become, 
the bolder his opponents have become in their desire to see him killed. Uh, We saw that on Palm Sunday, that Jesus comes riding in on a donkey. Uh, He's hailed as a king, and yet the religious leaders of the time are already plotting to put him to death. And this is what awaits Jesus in Jerusalem, and yet he sets his face. He says, see, we go up to Jerusalem. Uh, we, we know instinctively, and you've heard good quotes, that you know, true bravery isn't the absence of fear. Uh, it's the overcoming of it. Uh, Jesus was truly human. Uh, it, it's not as if he was stoic and didn't feel fear and, and sort of just marched forward because that was the program. Uh, think of the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweats drops of blood as he cries out in anguish, thinking of what is about to befall him on the cross. And yet, despite that, he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. Would you see Jesus setting his face, going up, his steadfast strength, this Jesus who says, I lay down my own life and I take it up again. See him go up to Jerusalem. Number two, see him fulfill. See him fulfill all that is written. He says, I'm going to fulfill everything that's written about me by the prophets. And of course, he means Isaiah, for instance. And Isaiah 53, I mean, if if you read the rest of the chapter and then you read the gospel narratives of Jesus' crucifixion, it's it's amazing to see the parallels. And the gospel writers will often pause and let you know or Jesus will let you know, by the way, this is fulfilling a very specific prophecy that was written so many hundreds of years ago. And so certainly he means the prophets themselves, those who wrote the prophetic books, but uh, the language Jesus uses here, uh, later in the Gospel of Luke, he'll, he'll say the, the, the law, the prophets, and the writings, all of it is about me. And he's going to show his disciples how it's all about him. He has come to fulfill everything. Uh, Not just the specific prophecies, um, but uh, the very kingship of Israel is being fulfilled in Jesus. The very prophets themselves are being fulfilled in Jesus. He goes to Jerusalem to fulfill the plan which was laid down with his Father and the Holy Spirit from before the ages began. It's it's happening. The, The third act of a story, it's about to happen. Jesus says, we go up to Jerusalem, I will fulfill everything. Elsewhere in the Gospels, he he will use language like, I must go. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and I am in anguish until it's accomplished. Uh, I must go. The Son of Man must suffer. This must happen. This is plan A to please my Father and your Father, my God and your God. He came to to fulfill all that was written. And this divine must is so comforting because we look at the cross and we rightly say it's the most heinous act in human history. The book of Acts will say that you put the author of life to death. Jesus, who was fully man but fully God, he was the author of life. Nothing was created except through his word. And there he hung on a cross, and there he breathed his last breath. This was the greatest crime in human history. No sin is greater than to put the author of life to death. And yet, Jesus says, I must do this. And Isaiah 53 says, and yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. This was God's plan from the beginning. And it's good news for us, because if God can use the greatest crime in human history 
for his good purposes, for his people, that maybe he has a purpose, maybe he's present in your current suffering, in your current tragedy even. If he could turn the cross for good, if he could plan the cross for good, then surely he's with you now for your good if you belong to Christ. So he came to fulfill all that was written. Number three, see him delivered. See him delivered into the hands of men. Did you notice the phrasing, the the son of man, which is Jesus' favorite way of talking about himself. Um, Other gospel writers will call him the son of God. Uh, But he says the son of man must be delivered into the hands of men. Uh, This must happen. And he's about to be delivered. If, if, you know, if you continue on, and I, I encourage you to read the account leading up to Easter. Uh, but he is delivered into the hands of men, first by one of his own. Uh, one of the twelve, Judas, uh, betrays him for a small number of coins. He comes up to him in the garden, and he walks up and gives Jesus a kiss. And the guards of the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, come And so the Son of Man is betrayed even with a kiss, and he's arrested. Uh, He's delivered into the hands of the Jewish authorities. Um, And then he is handed over to Pilate, uh, the Roman official, who seems to realize he's innocent, and yet uh, he sends him off to Herod, uh, who is a a Jewish official, more in a a ruling capacity, uh, who mocks him and sends him back to Pilate. And then the crowds, some of which surely were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord just a week before, now cry out, crucify, crucify. Truly, Jesus was delivered into the hands of men. The the great prophet of Israel, as we talked about last week, was delivered into the hands of the teachers, the scribes, uh, those who should have been giving a prophetic voice to the people. The the high priest of Israel, Jesus Christ, was delivered into the hands of the high priests who blasphemed him and mocked him when they should have worshipped him. The great king of Israel was made to stand before this Roman official and this Jewish leader, so-called kings. Jesus was delivered into the hands of men. Number four, see him mistreated. See him mistreated. Jesus reminds us here what's about to happen to him. He will be mocked. He will be shamefully treated. He will be spit upon. He will be flogged. There's many places we could go, but let me read from later in Luke. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. And they also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. The great prophet of Israel, blindfolded and beaten and mocked. And then when he's with Herod, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. And then arraying him in splendid clothing, they sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For before this, they had been at enmity with one another. And later, 
as Jesus hangs on the cross. The people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanging next to him railed at him, saying, Are you not Christ? Save yourself and us. The Son of Man, the Son of God, mistreated, shamefully treated, spit upon at the hands of men, flogged, which would have been the 40 lashes minus one, which would often bring someone to the very edge of their life. This Jesus, this Jesus who deserves all honor, not shame, who deserves all homage, not mockery, who deserves songs of worship, not spitting insults. And yet this is what he endured. This is what he chose to endure. This is what he went up to Jerusalem to endure, even to the point of the cross. See him die on a cross Jesus crucified in front of the crowd, naked in front of his own mother, as people mocked him and railed against him. Jesus, who would have been about my age, every year after this, I'll be older than Jesus was when he went to the cross and hung there. And the most important question we can ask is why? It's not enough to assent to the fact that there was a Jesus, that perhaps he even died on a cross and showed some act of bravery or sacrifice. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did he say, I must suffer? I must go. I must be mistreated at the hands of men. Uh, This Jesus, this innocent one, this righteous one, the one who deserved the title above him, the king of the Jews, why did he have to die? It's because what and who he died for. Jesus went to the cross for his people. Uh, He went to the cross for all those who would believe in him. For all those who would see him even in this text and say, I love this Jesus. I want my life to be for him. I want him to be the king of my life. But I'm a sinner. I've sinned in such a way I have spit on him. I have mocked the creator. I've treated him with contempt. And the only punishment worthy of that is death. Because he is infinitely worthy of worship. He is infinitely worthy of love. And so my sin, my mistreatment, my shameful mockery deserves death. And that's exactly what Jesus went to the cross to do, to bear the penalty that we deserved if we would only put our trust in him. And friend, I pray 
that this is your Jesus, that, that, that when we say, see Jesus hanging on the cross, that you're seeing him in present tense, that he is your savior, that you're disgusted by what happened to him and you're overwhelmed by the beauty of what God did through it for you. And if you already belong to him when you walked in this evening, I pray that you would see him anew. That you would see him in a powerful way, that you would know, that you would understand. I mean, the disciples here, you could see in verse 34, they, they, they don't get it at this stage. Jesus multiple times has told them, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm telling you now to bolster your faith so that you'll know. Jesus knew that they wouldn't quite get it. I mean, the human brain isn't good at comprehending things that go against uh, the narrative, that go against the expectation. They, they loved Jesus. They couldn't picture him dying. And yet he did. And yet he rose again. And then these same disciples would, by the Holy Spirit, come to understand. Uh, th- these words that Jesus speaks here would become precious in their hearts, treasured possessions of them as they come to know, as they come to understand, as they come to grasp who Jesus really is. They, they would come to understand it. Do you, do you grasp it? Has this sunk down into your heart that this Jesus, this Son of Man, the Son of God, risen, died, and, and rose again for you? Would you put your faith in him, certainly for the first time, but would you put your faith in him, even if you've put your faith in him at some point in the past, even now? Would you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I want to live for you. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that through it we see Jesus. And I pray, Lord, by your spirit that we would see him clearly, our Savior and our Lord, that you would grow in us a love for him, a willingness to live for him, to die for him, We thank you for his steadfastness, his obedience uh, to go to the cross for the joy set before him. And Lord, we thank you for all that uh, he accomplished. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.